Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Workmeister of Elevate Church, and welcome to our podcast. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, we're going we're gonna to jump into the Word today. Amen? Aren't you thankful for the Bible? I, I mean, I'm serious. I am so, so thankful for the Bible. Um. I want to share this story with you. We're in week three of this series called Shine. And um, a few weeks ago, celebrated 20-year anniversary of 9-11. And, um, and uh, a few weeks ago, uh, I started watching this documentary on Hulu. And it was called One Day. National Geographic um, had pulled, I, I mean, I don't know where they found these pictures. I don't know where they found this video. I don't know where they found this stuff. But it is, it's, it's not anybody's opinion. It's just the stories of the people who survived. And it's just the stories of the firemen and the people who rushed in. And I've been watching it. And there's a story that I want to share with you today. He put up that picture of... Uh, this is Captain Jay Jones. I'm just going to read you the story. It says this. Our orders were to go up the North Tower and rescue as many people as possible. I was never so proud to be a fireman, but on that day. Captain Jay and his team, Ladder 6, made their way up the North Tower. At level 25, they heard the collapse of the South Tower. At that moment, Captain Jay knew that it was only a matter of time before the North Tower collapsed. They decided to evacuate as many people as they descended down. Going down staircase B, they hit the 20th floor. And they met a six-year-old woman who had made her way down from the 76th floor of the North Tower. Her name was Josephine Harris. Josephine was crying in the stairwell on the 20th floor and said she could not go any farther. Captain Jay and Ladder 6 decided they couldn't leave her behind. Very slowly, they helped her move down stairwell B. As they arrived to level four, Josephine fell to the ground. Josephine yells to the fireman, tells them, leave me here. Save yourselves. You've been such a blessing, such a help to me, but leave, leave me here. Captain Jay commands Ladder Six, his team, to pick her up. And they carried them with them. Minutes later, the collapse of the North Tower began. Fireman Tommy Falco threw his body on top of Josephine to protect her. They could hear one floor after another pancaking on top of another. Once the collapse had finished, they realized that stairwell B on the fourth floor where Josephine had collapsed, somehow did not collapse. 
The Captain Jay quickly realized that they were trapped under 90 floors of the World Trade Center North Tower. After about five hours after the collapse, the dark haze of smoke and ash and dust and debris that had filled the whole entire city had moved away. This is my favorite part of the story. About 40 feet above them, they now could see a ray of light. They could see one ray of light shining down on top of them. At that moment, they realized the ray of light represented hope that they would live and that they would not die. Captain J, all the men of Ladder 6, and Josephine all got to the top and were rescued on that day. Ray, just keep playing. I want to do something for a second. Can we just shut those lights off for me real quick? In darkness, the light just magnifies. When it's so dark and there's this feeling of like there's no hope, when there's a ray of light, light in the darkness represents hope. It represents we can make it. We can get to the other side. We can get out of this spot when the light shines. But when the light doesn't shine, let me turn those lights back on. There's no hope. Come on, let's pray. Father, we Lord, we love you. We thank you, Jesus, that you're the light of the world. We thank you that you're the hope of the world. We thank you, Jesus, that you're here right now. Father, fill us with your light. Fill us with your hope. Fill us with your truth. Fill us with your grace and your understanding today. We worship you. We honor you. We thank you, God, for your word. And everybody agrees. Said? Amen. Thank you so much. So much. Me and uh, Pastor Ryan Wonderly were talking this week. And, um, and uh, Ryan loves numbers and loves spreadsheets. And I'm like, thank God for people like that. Amen. It's just not me. And, um, but I love looking at the spreadsheets and the numbers after smarter people than me uh, put these things together. And Ryan uh, says to me, he says, uh, from 12 months ago to this time right now, from September to September, 12 months ago, Elevate Church has grown by almost 80%. Yeah, come on, give it up. And why? Well, people are looking for hope. Let's just be honest. People are looking for hope. They're, they want hope 
that truth still exists. They want hope that they can find a church that they can bring their family and their friends and their kids and that they can find real truth. They want hope that truth actually still exists somewhere in this world. They want hope that even in the midst of the crazy pandemic, that not everything in the world has changed. They want hope that they can come to church and it still feels like church. Still feels like brothers and sisters coming together, loving each other, caring about each other, being with each other. They want hope that their broken marriage may have a chance to survive. They want hope that they can find real love, real joy, real peace somewhere in the midst of the darkness of this world. They want hope that there's still a church when there is no answers and there is no hope. There's still a church that they can find that says, you know what? I know that there's no answers in this world, but there's still an answer, and his name is Jesus, okay? I know what the doctors told you. I know the report. I know what's happening at your job, and I know that I know that I know that it looks so dark right now, but I promise you there's still hope, and his name is Jesus. People are looking for hope, but hope only shines when people shine. Hope only shines when local churches, that's, that's what we are, right? We're a local church, okay? And thank God for the local church. Let's celebrate the local church. And, and listen, I, I say this all the time. We don't talk bad about other churches. We don't down other churches. We celebrate all that Jesus is doing. But hope comes when local churches like us, Elevate Church, when we shine our light, That's when hope comes. Hope comes when the church, us, us, we are the church. And and I need us to have this really great understanding of this today, okay? Because I think we separate things. We're really good at this. We're really good at being like, well, that's the church. I know I attend the church. I know that I'm blessed when I go to the church, but that's the church, and then this is my job, and then this is my life, and we separate these things. But Jesus doesn't separate these things, okay? Jesus doesn't look at the church as this building. This is just a building. This is just a building, and I'm thankful for this building. I'm thankful for the season of this building, but it's just a building. Someday it'll be demolished. Someday we'll build a bigger building. Someday we'll move on. The church is you. You are the church. When Jesus is talking about the church, he's not talking about buildings. He's talking about people. He's talking about his servants. He's talking about us. Hope shines when we shine. We get that? Hope shines when we shine. Go with me to uh, Revelations, okay? Revelations chapter three, verse 14. Jesus is uh, in chapter two and chapter three, he's, he's writing letters to churches. This is Jesus writing letters to churches in the end days, okay? And we're a church, and we're a church in the end days. And he's writing to these churches and he writes to this one church, Laodicea. In verse 14, he says, I'm writing a message to the congregants of Laodicea. Verse 5, I know all that you do. I know that you are neither frozen 
in apathy, nor fervent with passion. So what's Jesus saying? He's saying, you're just doing enough to feel good about yourselves. Real, real honestly. Jesus is going, you know what? You're just doing enough. It's not like you're totally frozen. Your heart's cold. Your heart is hard. But you're not passionate. You're not fervent. You're not excited about me and my church and what I'm trying to accomplish in the earth. He's saying, you're just doing enough. He says this, how I wish you were either one. Isn't it interesting that Jesus, see, in my mind, I would say, I wish you were all hot. But Jesus says, I wish you were one or the other. Because if you're hot, that means your light is shining, you're shining hope, you're giving hope, you're helping others to find Jesus, you're excited about what God's doing in the church, what God's doing in his body. But he says, if you're not hot, I wish you were cold. Why does he say, I wish you were cold? Because if you were cold, you could find the grace of God. Right? Isn't it fun when, like, people come to know Jesus? I'll tell you what, the most, I'm, I hate to say it, but most of the time in the church, the most passionate people in the church are new believers. Most of the time. Why? Because they found grace. They found forgiveness. They found righteousness. And they go, I can't believe how good this is. I can't believe how much Jesus has done for me. I can't believe how he's forgiven me. And they're just overwhelmed in the goodness of God, and they're just on fire, and they're just passionate about Jesus and his kingdom. Verse 16, because you're neither cold or hot, you're lukewarm. I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. That's disgusting, Jesus. <laughs> okay? Verse 17, for you claim I'm rich and getting richer. I don't need a thing. You're clueless that you are miserable, poor, blind, barren, and naked. So a couple things that we need to take from this passage that Jesus is talking to. Okay? Laodicea actually means this word, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. It means self-righteous. Isn't that interesting? So Jesus says, I'm going to write to the church that is self-righteous. They think they're righteous. They think they're righteous because they're self-righteous because they think if I just do enough, if I just give a little bit here and there, if I just do a little bit here and there, I'm good, I'm a good person, and we'll get into that. The second thing is this, is Jesus is calling them to repent and return. What's, to what? To a place of passion. To a place of passion. He's going, I, I need you to come back to this place when you first found me. I think about like when I first found Jesus. I don't know if you were like this, but I know I was. When I really first found Jesus, you couldn't keep me out of the church. Like the church that I went to, it was open 24-7. You could pray anytime. I would find myself there at like 2 in the morning. I would find myself there at 8 o'clock in the morning. I just wanted to be there. Why? Because I could sense the presence of God there, and I wanted to be with Jesus. I was just passionate. I did, here's what's funny, too. It's like I, I really didn't even understand the Bible. But I just wanted to find out about who Jesus was. I was just passionate. It's exciting. So Jesus is going, I want to give you an opportunity 
to come back to that place, to come back to that place. So let's look at the first part, okay? Jesus is saying, I want to write to those who think they're self-righteous, self-righteous church, okay? Uh, Matthew chapter 5, go with me, Matthew chapter 5, okay? And we're going to spend a little bit of time here. We're going to go back and forth between Matthew and Revelations, okay? Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. This is Jesus. He said, you've heard the commandments that say you must not commit adultery. But I say to anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery in her heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, then gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. Verse 30, if your hand, even your strong hand, causes you to sin, then cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than to lose your whole body and to be thrown away into hell. Okay? Um, where's, where's my son, Michael? He has left. He has left the building. He's, he's out there. Okay. okay, we're good. All right, here, Matt, come here real quick. Okay. I wanted to do this with him, but it's all good. All right, come here, Matt. Let me ask the question. Have you ever seen a church actually do this? Like, I'm pretty certain, okay? I love you, buddy. Love okay. you. Okay. I'm pretty certain at one point in time, Matt's eyes have looked on another lady lustfully. Maybe. Okay. 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 All right. All right. Even his good eye, okay? Okay. I'm pretty certain... At one point in time, this hand, this beautiful hand, okay, has caused him to sin, right? Let's say it. Today is the day of reckoning, okay? This is a real sword, people, okay? Okay, so, all right, well, I guess... I love Matt so much, right? I don't want Matt to go to hell, right? I guess it's time to gouge his eyes out and chop his hands off, right? Might as well go for the feet at the same time. And he'll just live as a hermit and he'll go to heaven. Amen? Give it up for Pastor Matt, everybody, okay? You're like, this church gets weirder by the week. So we've never seen this happen, right? And if it does happen, then run, because they're probably got snakes too and stuff like that, all right? All right? Let me read you the next verse, verse 43. Your ancestors have also taught you love your neighbors and hate the one who hates you. However, I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those, who, bless those who curse you and do something wonderful those who hate you and respond to everyone who persecutes you by praying for them, okay? So, does Jesus really mean this, right? Does he really want us to gouge our eyes out, cut our hands off, become an amputee ward? No. Okay, what is Jesus really dealing with? Okay, right here. 
he's really dealing with who? Self-righteous Pharisees. Okay? Because this is what they believed. They believed that you didn't commit adultery unless you had slept with that person. Right? So they think, because I haven't been in the act of adultery, that I have actually haven't committed adultery. But Jesus is an expert of law, okay? And so what is Jesus really trying to do? What is he trying to do with the Pharisees? What is he trying to do with us? He's trying to bring us all to this place, this deep revelation, this place in our hearts where we go, guess what? I really, really need a Savior. Because I'm pretty sure we've all lusted at one moment or another. I'm pretty sure we've all made mistakes. I'm pretty sure that we all, some of you may not, but I know that I need it on the daily. So Jesus is bringing them back to a place where he's going, I don't really need you to cut your hand off. But the Pharisees, they were so good at boasting of their law keeping, right? Keeping the law. What is it? Self-righteousness. Okay, so Jesus, okay, is demonstrating to to them what it truly takes to follow the law. He's saying, listen, you self-righteous people, if you really think that you are making it to heaven by keeping the law and being self-righteousness in your own self, then gouge your eyes out and cut your hands off. I I love what Jesus says. He says, the moment you're angry with your brother in your heart, you've committed murder. I'm like, man, I've committed murder a lot when I'm driving. I mean, I I am murdering the world. I got a lot of blood on my hands, right? So let me ask this. By a show of hands in here today, based upon Jesus' definition of self-righteous, who here says, I don't need Jesus? I love that. Yeah, nobody. There's not one of us bold enough to go, yep, I'm good. You're like, man, I'm going to get struck by a bolt of lightning in the middle of church. So what, what is Jesus doing? He's going, hey, I know you can't fulfill the law. That's why I came. I know that you couldn't be perfect. That's why I came. I know you couldn't live up to it. That's why I came. That's why I fulfilled the law. That's why I gave my life. That's why I went to the cross. That's why I did this. So that you could receive real grace and righteousness through me. The good news of Jesus Christ. Can we get an amen for that, somebody, okay? All right? But here's the problem, and this happens in the church all the time. We think what? I'm a good person, right? A.K.A. meaning what? I've cleaned up a bunch of the big stuff, right? Like, I'm not selling drugs anymore, you're like, you sold drugs, Pastor Rob? Yeah, it was a long time ago, okay? Long time ago. It wasn't even hard stuff. Let's just make this clear, okay? We cleaned up all the, hard, the big stuff. What is really happening? 
what's really happening is this crazy level of deception, okay? And the enemy loves getting the church into this place. We think this. Well, number one, I believe in Jesus, right? Like, we're here today to be here with Jesus. So I would say most of us here today would say, number one, I believe in Jesus. The second thing that we would say is this. Well, I'm a good person, right? Like, I don't see psychopaths out here today, you know? You're all, like, nice and good and lovely people. I love talking to you. I love knowing you, right? We're good people, and then we would also say, like, man, we're, we're the good picture of society, right? Like, we go to our jobs. We pay our bills. We, you know, help little old ladies across the street, right? We're the picture of what good people in society looks like. And we think what? I'm good. And quickly, 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 we cross out of that place where we first came to Jesus and we're like, I really need his righteousness. I really need his grace. I really need his love. I really need his strength. I really, really, really need Jesus. And we cross into this really dull place. We just think, I'm just, I'm good. I'm good. Self-righteous. Which leads us to the second part. Revelations, remember Revelation chapter 3, verse 15, it says, I know you're neither frozen in apathy, but neither fervent in passion. I wish you were one or the other. You're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Okay, what is Jesus saying? He's saying, listen, this isn't a complete rejection. Jesus isn't completely rejecting this church, okay? Remember, he's bringing them back to where? A place to repent, a place to go, I am so sorry, Lord. I thought, I thought that I was good. I've been living in self-righteousness. I've been living in apathy. I've just been getting by. I've just been doing enough. And Jesus goes, come on back. See, I think we have this idea that when God wants to correct something in our lives, that he's angry at us, and he's really not. Oh, gosh, I should have got a better amen than that, okay? Listen, he's not angry. He's not angry. Listen, when you are a mother or a father and your children make mistakes, are you angry with them? Do you want to gouge their eyes out, cut their hands off, and send them away forever? No. You want them to do what? Just come, just come back home. We need to make a change, but it's okay. You're still part of the family. You know what I mean? Like, so we, we have this idea that like God's righteousness and goodness is like a faucet that turns on and off. Like God's angry at me today, so there's no righteousness, there's no grace, there's no love, there's nothing for me. And then the days that I'm actually doing the right things, then righteousness, grace, and love, and all these things follow me. It's such a lie. Such a lie. He loves you the same every single day. He loves this church. He's just bringing them back to a place where they are passionate about him and his kingdom. That's all. And that's okay. Sometimes we need that because we just get in this place of, I don't know. It's like, it's like, it's like a car that is on the highway and you just throw it in neutral. 
and it just it's just coasting. You're still going. You're still going down the road. There's still some speed. You're just coasting. What I love about those New York firemen, they didn't have to go. They chose to go. And even after the towers collapsed, you know what I love? There's this video piece, and I tried to get it, but I couldn't get it. There's this video piece in there where every fireman that survived, they all grew backed up. They all came back together. They all had this moment. And you know what the captain on that day said? He said, brothers, we have brothers back in there, and we're going to go back in there. And not one of them, not one of them left that day. They could have. Why? Because they have this passion in their soul. We got to go rescue people. We got to go shine our light. Listen, the church right now can't be full of apathy. The church has to be alive. The church has to have passion to go, let's go rescue people. Let's go shine our light. Jesus deals with this in the story of Matthew, Matthew chapter 25. Verse 14 says, the kingdom of heaven will be illustrated by a story of a man that went away on a long trip. He called together his servants and he entrusted them with money. So we can call it a few different ways. You can call it, he gave them money, he gave them talents, he gave them gifts, he gave them abilities, okay? And then he says, well, he was gone, meaning this, that Jesus is gone, he's gone back to heaven, okay? So verse 15, he gave five bags of silver, uh, to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last one, dividing it in portions on their ability. And can I just say this? All of us have different abilities, and, and some are, you know, they look bigger than others, but everybody's ability really matters. Everybody's gifts really matter. Everybody's personalities matter. Every single one of you really, really matter, and all of you are valuable to the kingdom of God and what God's going to do in the earth, okay? And then he left on his trip. The servant who received five bags of silver invested the money and earned five more. The servant had two bags of silver, went to work and earned two more. Verse 18, but the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground, hid it, his master's money. Why did he hide his master's money? Because he's a selfish person. Let's just call it what it is. It's just a selfish person. My wife, Jess, she follows these uh, influencers. And uh, the uh, husband, they were doing a live the other night. And like, we're just laying in bed. And she's like, oh, they're live. Let's watch. And so we start watching. And uh, they're like turning 30. And so they're having this like epiphany moment in their life. I guess, okay? they're like, oh, I'm 30. And the, li- you know, the world's coming alive. You know? and, and, uh, and I'm sorry. I'm being super sarcastic right now. Okay? And, uh, and so he... He's, he goes, he goes, if there's two things I know, it's this. And he goes, I want to share this with everybody. He goes, the first thing is this. Uh, I want to tell you that there's nothing more important than pursuing whatever makes you happy in life. Can I just say this? I think this has slipped into the church. It's just slipped into the church. Like, I... I this is what really makes me happy. 
Can I tell you what really makes me happy right now? Is golf. I mean, I love it. I mean, guys, it was, I mean, last night, I'm here at the church. It was like 5.30, and I'm like, I think I could play for an hour. And I drove over to Greencrest, and I played by myself. The guy was like, do you have anybody to play with? I'm like, no. He's like, do you want to play with anybody? I was like, no, I don't want to play with anybody. I just want to play with myself right now. And it's beautiful, and it's sunny. Guys, I would play golf every day of my life right now. I'm just being honest. It's what makes me happy. So this influencer goes, hey, just do whatever makes you happy. And then they, listen, here's what's really, really crazy, okay? And I'm not God. I'm not. I can't say where their hearts are. But they, they totally believe that they are passionately in love with Jesus. Even though, like, they go to church, like, once every four months. I promise you. I promise you. And he goes, as it relates to church, he goes, he goes, this is really important. He goes, I want you just to find whatever church really kind of fits you and makes you happy. And if they're saying stuff that doesn't make you happy, leave those churches and go find, he's like, there's lots of churches. Go find the church that will make you happy. That's exactly what this person is. I'm gonna dig a hole I'm going to hide my gifts. I'm going to hide my talents. I'm going to hide my money. I'm going to put it in the ground. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do what I want to say. I'm going to do what makes me happy. I'm going to find whatever makes me good. Verse 19. After a long time, the master returned. And he called to give an account of how they used their money. Listen, Jesus is going to have a day of reckoning with everybody on the earth. We all stand before him, and we give an accurate account of how we use what? We use our time. We use our talents. We use our treasure, right? Time, talents, and treasure. How did we use those things for Jesus? We're going to give an account. We're going to stand before him. Verse 20, the servant who had been entrusted with five bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver and I invested and made five more for you. Verse 21, the master, Jesus, the master was full of praise. He says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Can I just say this, that the Lord is looking for good and faithful people, like faithful people, not seasonal people. See, we're really good at that. We're really good at being seasonal people that go, I can burn for Jesus for these four months. Like we're real good sprinters right? Amen? Well, I know it hurts. It's okay. It's okay. We sprint real hard for Jesus. And then we're like, ah, I'm tired. He said, you're faithful with handling small amounts. Now you will be given more responsibility. Come, let's celebrate. What is Jesus talking about? when he says, I'm going to give you responsibility. See, we all have this idea like we're going to die and then we're just going to be this like floating being and being like, Jesus, we worship you. You know what I mean? Like that's what we think about the, you know, the next season of life. No, listen, Jesus is coming back to do what? To reestablish the earth. We're going to reign on earth with Jesus for a thousand years. We're going to have responsibilities in the earth. Okay? We're going to have a life in the earth. After, verse 24, okay? The second one comes, he says the same thing. He says, hey, you gave me two, I gave you two more. Verse 24, 
The servant with one bag of silver came to the master. I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops where you didn't plant, and gathering crops where you didn't cultivate. So really, what is this person saying to Jesus? Jesus has come and asked for an account, and his response back to Jesus is this response, this sarcastic response. Hey, listen, I knew that you're a harsh man. I don't see Jesus that way. So obviously he didn't see Jesus through righteousness and grace and mercy and love. Obviously he thought he was what? Self-righteous. He says, I knew you were harsh and you harvest crops where you didn't plant and you gathered crops where you didn't cultivate. What is this guy really saying? He's saying, Jesus, I don't like you. See, this happens all the time. We go, Jesus, I want to believe in Jesus because I don't want to go to hell. I want to believe in Jesus because I don't want to go to hell. But I don't really like Jesus' systems. So I'll just do whatever makes me happy. I'll do whatever makes me feel good because I really don't like following Jesus. I like Jesus so I don't go to hell. says, I was afraid I would lose your money. No, you weren't afraid. You were selfish. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But Jesus replies, you wicked, lazy servant. I am really, really certain in my heart, at least for me, I'm really certain. I don't want to hear that when I get to heaven. Like, that is not what I'm looking forward to when I get to heaven. Verse 28. He ordered them, take the money from this servant, give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. And he says, verse 29, to those who use well what is given, even more will be given, and you'll have an abundance. But for those who do nothing, what is even little they have will be taken away. Verse 30, here's what's so interesting. This person knew Jesus. This, this person knew Jesus. And now Jesus is saying to this one, this person, right? He says, now throw this useless servant into utter darkness, or there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is a pretty sobering moment. He's saying, this man said, Jesus, I don't like you and I don't like your systems, right? Like, Let's talk about God's systems for a second. Like, first, for instance, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 2, it says this, you won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you're anxious to do the will of God because you've had enough of the past, the evil things that you used to do in your past, godless things that you did in your past, like immorality, lust, feasting, drunkenness, wild parties, terrible worshiping of idols, of course, these are your former things. This is God's system. He's going, listen, when you encounter, and I want to make this abundantly clear, when you encounter the grace and the righteousness of God, it's not there to abuse it. It's there to become free. Free from what? The desires of my past. I have, I, here's the deal. You will never be free of the desires of your past. They're there always. It's just our choice. 
a choice to choose. No, I don't want those. I want righteousness and grace. Listen, Jesus is the image of grace, so I need more of Jesus so I can become more like him. Amen? And I can leave my past. Or we don't like this. So like uh, verse, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. God has given each of you a gift. Remember the gifts? Jesus talks about the gifts. He's given you a gift of great spiritual gifts to use them to serve one another. Or how about Malachi chapter 3, okay? Verse 8, it says, should people cheat God? But you've cheated me. But you ask me, how do you mean you've cheated me? You've cheated me of the tithes and offerings. And now you're under a curse. Verse 10, he says, bring all the tithes into the store, storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple. Okay, listen. We have to shine really bright for Jesus right now. Have to. Like, have to. And I know that I am stepping on toes. I'm sorry, but this is Jesus, and this is following Jesus. And I, guys, I I don't know how to explain it, but I have this depth in me that I'm like, Jesus is so close to coming back, and we got to reach people. And the only way we're going to reach people is if our light shines, shines. Remember, look, we don't need a church full of self-righteous people. We need a church that is alive in the grace of God, that we're excited about the grace of God. We're excited about the righteousness of Christ. We're excited. We're excited. When you're excited about something, you tell people about it. When you're excited, look, but when you come in, and I understand that sometimes, listen, I get it. It's 9 a.m., and we walk in here, and we've walked through a, a long week. But there still should be this excitement to be like, I'm about to worship the king. I'm about to be with the king. I'm about to have the king next to me. I get to worship him, his grace, his goodness, his righteousness. I know that without it, I cannot function in this life without the grace and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Right, come on up, band, come on up. Thank you, thank you. Second thing is this, people need to see a church that is hungry to do the will of God. If you follow Jesus for any length of time, you know this, that there are still dark places in your heart of hearts that are connected to your past that want to come back out. I get it. And and, and let me be abundantly clear. I'm not talking about living perfect life. We're not called to live a perfect life. But we are called to leave the past the past. There's just things that I did in my past I just don't associate with anymore. A couple years ago, um, Went back home. It's uh, gonna go to a Bears game with my buddies from back in the day. They're all like, "Hey, we're going. Uh, we're going to Matt's house for the game. We're all gonna hang out. It was down in the city, and he's like, and then we'll just all walk to the game. 
And so I walk in there, and then, man, it, like, it was like, just like, it was like a time machine. It was like walking back into high school. And, and there's just, like, alcohol everywhere. And they're like, they're like, man, we're like, we're like five, six in, Jeff. We got to get you there. And you know what's crazy is this. My wife wasn't there. My kids weren't there. You weren't there. Nobody was there. And if, and if I would have, if I would have just went right back into my, into my past in that moment, none of you would have ever known. Nobody would have ever known. And can I just say that it wasn't easy too? These were all my friends who were growing up. And I was like, no, I'm good. They're like, no, you're not good. You know, that old, like, no, you're not good. And they're like, here, here, you are not good. I'm like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm like, you sure? Are you okay? They're like looking at me like, what is, like, where, where's the old Jeff at? I'm like, I'm good. I'm okay. I left my past at the cross. Amen? Now, I haven't been perfect. I share about that all the time. And that's okay. God's not calling me to be perfect. But I did leave my past at the cross. And I said, I don't want that anymore. I want Jesus. And I want my, I want my life in Jesus. We need a church that's hungry to do the will of God and leave the past to pass. We need a church that wants to shine its light with its gifts. All of you have gifts. All of you have so many talents. I want to share about some awesome people in our church, like Judd and Bonnie, okay? They serve in the heroes room. Every time I walk by that room and I see Judd and Bonnie, they're smiling. Like, look at that. Look at that smile. And look at those kids. Look at those kids just look at Judd and they're smiling. And they know what? They know that they're loved, right? That's the most important thing that I want our kids in our church to know, that they're loved. I'm just, I'm just so thankful for people that use their gifts. And here's the deal, like, you would never even know this unless I, I talked about it. But they're just faithful. Or how about this, how about this? How about Taylor Brown, single mom in her church? She's such a great teacher. She's such a great teacher. She does such a great job with our kids. And she's faithful. And she's left her old life and she's pursuing Jesus. How about Nate? You know, Nate, he serves on the hospitality team. He welcomes, like, he's just so good at just loving people and just smiling and making people feel welcome. And he just jumps into moments like splash and just helps and says, I'll do anything. Or he builds, you know, he built this, uh, he built this, this uh, drum cage for us. How about, how about Dan and, and Gwen, okay? They serve on our hospitality team. They're groups leaders. Uh, listen, every time I need something built, I call up Danny and I'm like, hey, I need this built. Danny never says no. 
you know what I love? That these people just take their gifts, they just take their talents, they take what God's given them, they go, I'll just use it for a, however God wants to use it. Let it shine. I was talking to our team the other day. I said, listen, I, listen, I know we're not at October yet, but October's coming. And once October hits, man, this place is going to be, it's, it's already been crazy packed, but it's going to be even more crazy packed. And I looked at them. I said, hey, guys, we're going to sometime in 22, we're going to need to go to a third service. And they looked at me and they said, yeah, if you give me 50 more volunteers. So our ability as a church to reach more people for Jesus, to grow another 80% in the next 12 months is dependent on what? Everybody, all of us, all of us, all of us going, you know what? Use me, use my gifts, use my talents, sign me up to serve. So I'm, I'm be passionate about the kingdom. We need a church that's passionate. We need a church that will shine. And I understand that like, it's not always like, and, and like, here's the deal. I know that a lot of you think that like, We'll overuse you. We, we have a four-week rotation, okay? But we need help. We need like 50 more volunteers so that we can move into the next season that God has for us. We need people that will represent the goodness of God through it. We need a church that will shine by the way they give. We're never going to be able to reach all that God's called us to do unless we all give. We bring our tithe. I know it's not a popular thing to talk about, and I get it, but I promise you, I wouldn't talk about it unless I knew what, that God wanted to take care of you more than, than he wanted to take care of this house. You know what Malachi says at the end? It says this. He says, if you don't believe me, then test me. Test me. Bring, this, bring the tithe. Bring the tithe to the storehouse. Test me on this. I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing, you can't contain it. But I'm going to be just really honest. We can't move into the next seasons that God has for us unless we all, all. And here's the deal. That's what I love. It's just everybody doing their part. But it is a church that is alive. It is a church that shines. It is a church that is passionate. It is a church that is passionate about souls. It's passionate. You know why? Because the church isn't self-righteous. Because the church understands, I desperately, desperately need the grace of God. I desperately need the righteousness of Christ. I desperately need more of Jesus. And if I need it, then there are lost, hurting people that also need it in this world. Why don't you stand up this morning?